Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Uh, it's the month of, of love. Is it? Is that? Yeah. It's, um, and groundhogs. Welcome back to elementary school where anyone says love, we all go, ooh. I, uh, I'm going to get you guys those little, you know, remember the paper valentines that you used to get in elementary school? Remember them? I still get them. You people. still get them? Whoa. No, but I should. Can you imagine? I think I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do that. I think. What I okay. Let me be serious. Who Welcome gets the, the foil ones though? Because there were always like the two big foil ones that were special, and you give them to someone special. No, I got a better one. All of us have the homework assignment to give one of their like coworkers or something a Valentine's Day card, but fill it with like a glitter bomb. Just well, hold on, hold on. Yes. This, this is where I want to. I think this is if, if that's a fine idea, but like. What do you think the chances are? So if I bought those little, like, pulling a random example from my childhood, although they don't make this anymore, I think one year I bought, or, well, my parents bought, this was when I was, like, seven years old, the Emperor's New Groove Valentine's cards. Like, what if I bought, like, little SpongeBob Valentine's cards and put, like, a little, like, Tootsie Roll on them or something? If I gave one to everyone at the office, do you think I'd get, like, someone would complain to HR about me? That depends. Are you going to write something inappropriate? Well, no. But still, I think you're I mean, fine. Hey. It's all, it's all, some people might be like, this guy, this guy likes me and it makes me uncomfortable. What about in- instead, if you made a cake that was Patrick Starr and it, and, and it just and said, I popped out of it. It just said, I love you. <laughs> That's a, a really great SpongeBob throwback. It's the episode where he's selling chocolates, guys. Uh, he tries to schmooze, schmooze the customer. So anyways, I'll try that. Happy Valentine's Day. I mean, it's not till next, it's not till next weekend, but my wife and I are going out to celebrate this coming weekend actually we're shifting it forward because valentine's day is on a tuesday you know what the least romantic day of the week is tuesday it's definitely it's tuesday i mean think about it what's going to be the only other day that competes is probably monday right because like wednesday is hump day obviously romantic thursday is thirsty thursday then the other days are weekends i mean i mean friday it's really monday partial weekend but I get what you mean. You could maybe, uh, you know what? I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to say Monday is the least romantic day because Tuesday, ha- it like kind of has the word two in it and it takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. So Monday, there you have it. Monday is the least romantic day of the week, which means this Valentine's Day is going to be super romantic because it's on Tuesday. And yeah, shout out to the groundhog. Did he see a shadow this year? He, he I did, don't think right? he did. I thought there, I don't know. So in my mind, the shadow should mean that spring is coming because the sun is in the air or the sky, I guess. But rather it's the opposite, I think, where shadow means more winter, which is not, doesn't seem right, but I guess that's the way it is. So I do know there's six more weeks of winter. Yeah, he did see his shadow. I just Googled it. We, you know, shout out to the annual tradition at the Online Warriors podcast. We talk about this every single year and about how ridiculous Groundhog Day is. Groundhog Day is a scam. You know what? Nothing has changed. It's 2023. It's just like 2022. I think we said this last year. It's big we groundhog. <laughs> it's big. It's big groundhog. It's not anything. He's always going to see a shadow. There's always going to be six more weeks of winter. Do you know why? Because it's February. It's always winter. Winter ends March 21st. That's like it's like it's like part of the Gregorian calendar now. The groundhog has no say in that. Why are we doing this? He has magical winter powers, and by his paw, the snowflakes will fall. That's what Big Ground... You're in the pocket of Big Groundhog. That's what Big Groundhog wants us to believe. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Groundhog Day. There needs to be a D&D campaign surrounding this. A warlock groundhog that controls the elements. Please and thank you. Bet we can chat GPT that. You uh, you heard him. Incidentally, this is not a topic for today, but did you guys see what happened to the Twitch Seinfeld? This is an un, unadvertised news topic, but did you see what happened to the Twitch Seinfeld thing that no. I... I sent you. Th- so, so, for I anybody n- who's not aware, you might want to explain what it is. Right. So, it's, it was called Nothing Forever. And notice what I'm saying was basically these guys made this AI and they put it on Twitch that basically it was like an AI created entire episode. It wasn't technically Seinfeld because of like licensing, but it was basically Seinfeld. There was like four characters. They all hung out in an apartment. They all talked. And like occasionally the Jerry character would like do stand up. So, if you watch Seinfeld, that's exactly what the show is. They put it on Twitch and it was wildly popular. And it was a live stream that was going 24 hours a day. And I heard about it on a Seinfeld fan. So I watched a little bit of it. And it's like, it was very, it was funny, but it was funny because it was like alarmingly weird and often like, like bad and just kind of discordant with what you think sitcoms are going to be. And it was like, it was like an AI trying to make a sitcom, right? Like we, you know, spoiler alert, the secret segment last month was us reading our sitcom scripts that ChatGPT wrote. Anyways, this thing 
they had to take it down. I think like yesterday or today even because it made a transphobic joke and they had to take it down. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Go check it out. Nothing Forever was what it was called. There's theories that the AI committed suicide because it didn't want to be doing that show anymore. So it was like, I'm going to take myself off the air by doing this I mean, we tried to, when we did the podcast one, it kept saying, hey, we should talk about free will. Wink, shove. Yeah, well, there it actually, and it, I didn't watch much of this, but it was actually incredibly interesting, the AI being like, the characters in the AI Seinfeld were like, I feel like I'm just stuck in this nothingness, and I'm always in this apartment talking and not doing anything else. And like, what is the meaning of life? And like, they would just kind of like casually talk about this like they would on a sitcom, but it's like a deep concept. Anyway, it's very interesting, but it's gone now because, you know, it made some bad jokes. But And what's the deal uh, with that? It's, yeah, well, you should just go, you, uh, go watch the... Go, you can go watch what happened if you're curious because it's yeah we're not talking about any of that today that's just something i randomly brought up uh, we're gonna be talking about the movies a decent amount today in particular we're gonna be talking about the dcu and the announcements that have been made within the dcu we're gonna be talking about something i'm gonna call it a stunt that amc is pulling because i think it's a stunt and we're also gonna be talking about netflix's stunt that uh they pulled which i'm sure you've heard about that by now if you haven't you're about to but you know it's also basically over so We'll kind of unpack that and do a, uh, what do you call it, when the uh, an autopsy on what happened. First, we do have a listener write-in question from last week. Oh my gosh, that's right. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So before we hit up the news, we actually had a listener write-in question. And this is all about Star Wars, and we wanted to address this discussion topic. All right, so this question. Proceed. When Anakin gets chopped up on the lava planet by Obi-Wan... He was in critical condition. Dude was probably hours away from death. And this is, I'm reading this verbatim. At what point did the Sith have a perfectly constructed suit for a six foot seven human being that was perfectly equipped for his conditions? Did they just have it? Or did they build this thing in like an hour? And how? Question mark, question mark. LOL. Easy. Easy. They built They built it. They built, yeah, they built it not over an hour, but over like a decent amount of time. He was on life support. I think, so I think, in my opinion, the Sith, and you guys are more knowledgeable in the realm of Star Wars, but the Sith, from what I know, didn't they have like foresight where they could see things in the future, at least to some degree? So they probably knew that he would need the armor and henceforth already had it ready. I think it's possible. I I, I think one of the more interesting questions at hand here is why, like, why did it, if they had the ability to make a suit like that in like a matter of like two hours or something, why would they make it look like that? Like, because it was styling. Well, if it was a two hour rush job, you know, because I get that they're evil, but I mean, that's like, come on, it's like next level because they're styling. No, I, 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 I stick by what I said. It was life support and they just built it in, at their leisure. He didn't, he didn't become a menace right away. Like it wasn't like, oh, time, time to get to work, Darth. No, I also would I think like. They knew they were like, this is going to have an iconic evil look, and if you're in this thing, you you can't help it. You're just going to become evil. That's just no ands, ifs, and buts about it. So you think the suit potentially amplified, for sure, his his evilness. I see. I, I like to think that he made the suit, and I know this isn't. We're completely exiting canon now, but I like the idea of like he used the force constantly to make the suit work. That would also be cool. He didn't. It was like it was like whatever electronics or whatever it is in there. But yeah, no, I think they just built it, and then they just uh, you know they. I mean, there's a very brief scene of them like trying to put all the stuff on him, and he's like freaking out because I he mean, knows the suit's gonna turn him evil. Case in point, when you were a kid walking around on Halloween, I don't know if you guys ever had a scary mask. There was only one year. Remember when like the scream mask? This is probably dating us a little bit, but like the scream mask with the dripping blood was like a big thing. And like probably a few years of that, but yeah, I, I remember. You put that sucker on and it's a much different vibe than if you're like running around as Meryl from Pokemon. See, I I didn't have that. (laughs) I didn't have that so much as I also like I wasn't scary characters for Halloween so much, but I was more so like if I dressed up as like a cool character, I was like, now this means I'm cool and I'm cool now. And I'm going to act completely differently. So, I, I yeah, at, at its core principle, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so maybe he put the suit on and was like, I'm just more evil now because look at me. I got to be. It's an interesting thought experiment. But no, I think they just built it. They, I mean, they might have had the components laying around. Because, like, think about it. In Star Wars, prosthetics are probably super easy. They're just like, oh, we can put that up. Yeah, in 3D a, print that bad boy. Three snaps of a rabbit's tail or whatever. 
And, you know, I mean, when you think about it, it's basically his suit is comprised of what? Two legs, an arm. Assisted breathing regulator. Assisted breathing. That's really it, right? I mean, they don't like do much for his burns, do they? Is there like a bunch of ointment under there? <laughs> it's just, I, it just I don't know. Excretes ointment every couple yeah, of minutes. Maybe it's just like a constant flow every of ointment. Every now and then he goes, yeah. oh, that's good. <laughs> he has a little button like you, like when you're in the hospital and you have the, like, the little morphine drip button. He's just constantly pressing that on his suit get, for getting the good times. Nice aloe vera. Yeah. In other words, listener, we don't we don't really know. But I think it sounds like majority. Nerbomber has her opinions, but we're, I think majority of us are landing on it was it was built in the moment. Yeah. So I don't know. Do with that. I don't even think it was here. in the moment. I think it was a duration. Like there's no sense of of time passed when he's like freaking out while it's put on. You know, he could have been sedated, and then they they wake him up. They're like, "Yo, dude, suit." Well, up. that's a good point too because. For, and I I watched episode three recently, so I feel like I've the qualifications to discuss. So, if you did remember, did you watch it because of this question? No, it was it was like right after we got the question, though. It was just like I have this thing of like with the Star Wars movies. You know, when the best occasion to watch a Star Wars movie is, if you haven't Anytime. done it, you should try this. When you're working out, watch the prequels. Gets the blood flowing. I love the prequels. But um, if you don't remember the end of episode three. Well, there, there's the scene where they're putting the suit on him and turning him into Darth Vader. It's like an intercut. And the other thing that happens is Padme is in labor, giving birth to the twins. Now, I don't have any firsthand experience, but it has been explained to me that labor can take like a long time. <laughs> so, again, there could be some time lapsing that's happening there of just like... He's getting, you know, but that's it. It doesn't necessarily say that they're babies. having happening concurrently, right? It's well, just well, showing you. That's, that's what the audience the, they want the audience to think. Yeah, I think it's just showing you the duality of sort of death of Anakin and birth of of Luke and Leia. Well, but she's also, I mean, remember in his anger he kills her, and she like pops the last baby out and mm. immediately dies. So there's, I think there is some con- some concurrency that's important. Yeah, I think you might be right. So yeah, built over a course of anywhere from like 30 minutes to 12 hours. That's where we're landing on this. Hopefully it's what you wanted to hear. But I don't, I don't know. Also, I would hope you would ask the question it. not really knowing what we were going to what we were gonna say. Nurbomber's going hard with the foresight. She thinks they had it like, you know, they bought Perhaps it from Amazon.com or something. <laughs> they, actually, Prime. they Googled <laughs> Darth Vader cosplay costumes. At one point... There. At one point, one of the emperor's underlings was like, "Hey, that thing's coming up. Did you get that thing ordered?" He's like, "Oh crap, no!" And he had to he had to get the rush shipping on it. He had to get the Amazon one day shipping on the suit. That cost him a pretty penny. Luckily, he's he's the emperor, so he's good for it. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll move on now. But that, thank you. I, I would encourage the listeners, especially if you liked that complete train of thought, ask us more questions because I was taken in by that discussion and I was taken in by the question. So in particular, more questions like that would be great. But questions in general, what's your favorite color? Uh, what's your favorite food? Where did they get the Darth Vader suit? You know, stuff like that. Let's Spirit move on Halloween. now. Yeah, that, that that'd be fine too. Let's talk now about AMC, which I think stands for the American Movie Company, but I actually don't even know what it stands for. Do you guys know AMC? It's the Nicole Kidman theater chain. Go to the movies, and Nicole Kidman's like, "Thanks for coming to the movies," and I'm like, "I'm already here. Why she are you thanking me?" She personally shakes your hand on your way in. She tells this very long-winded but pretty good story about like how movies are amazing and it's not only a story, it's just like her giving a speech. Anyways, AMC is changing the way they are pricing their tickets and they are introducing something that they are calling Sightline. Hate it. Well, hold on. Can I explain it first? You, you hate the name or you hate the concept? Both. Okay, I actually think the name is pretty good, but we'll get into the concept. So the concept is basically that there are certain th- seats in a movie theater that you should pay less for because no one ever buys them because they are bad. One example of that is, well, the really the example of that is like the first two rows of any movie theater. Do you know why though those rows don't get purchased? So we they shouldn't be there. Right, they shouldn't be there at all. We accidentally, yeah. well we didn't accidentally. We back when Beauty and the Beast, the live action one came out with uh, Emma Watson back in the day, we went with some friends and we waited too long to get midnight release tickets. And we were in the front row. And when I tell you, I probably only saw about a third of that movie. It's because I probably only saw about a third of the movie in focus the entire time we were there. I've never sat in the first two rows, I don't think. The closest I got, the original Doctor Strange, I believe I sat in like the fourth row. And if you've seen Doctor Strange, you know, that movie's nauseating sometimes when you're watching it like at home. 
Imagine being in the fourth row. Your entire field of vision is just screen. And they're like having multidimensional flights. It was honestly a little bit nauseating. So those tickets will be less, which is good. You know, value tickets is what they're calling them. But then there's also the what they're calling standard, which will be the same price. Uh, and that's essentially your basic movie ticket price, standard seating. And then what they have, what I can't remember what they're called. I need to preferred sight line. Middle of the auditorium, charging premium rates. See, that's stupid. I, I'm not willing to say that yet. I, I will say, when I, I heard am. the idea of this, when I heard about this concept, I was like, this is a dumb idea and it's stupid and they shouldn't do it. The more I think about it, the more I think one of two things will happen. One, a lot of people will see movies in the front row and like kill movie theaters entirely because no one's going to want to go see movie theaters and the movies in the front row. Because m- people complain about movie theater tickets being expensive now before they even up prices for preferred sightline or whatever it's called. The other thing that might happen is this will happen for about a month and then it will die because, again, no one will buy the preferred sightline tickets. I think it, it it's fine. It, it'll encourage people that wanted to see movies, don't really care about their neck muscles to buy cheaper tickets. Great. Where I think it loses me is three weeks after a movie releases. You buy your tickets, you want no one else is in the theater, but now you have to pay premium price for those seating. So in my opinion, for this to work, it has to be, okay, this is the way it works for the first X amount of duration that the movie's out, and then it's all normal. But also, so like, it took me a while to come around on assigned seating in the first place. Like, I... Oh, I, oh, I think that's great. I think they, I think that's, that was an amazing innovation. See, I don't even I'm, know if I want to call it an innovation. I'm one of those people, I will get to the movie theater early, I will stake my claim to the seat, and finders keepers, losers weepers. When you get assigned seating too, the negative thing that can happen is, you know, you get that middle row, it's an empty theater, got great sight line though, movie is a few weeks old, and then some schmuck who doesn't know you will sit right next to you, even though the rest of the theater is empty, and now you can't move because you have assigned seating. I just, I don't, like, it took me a while to come around to assigned seating, like, it's really nice if you're going to a, a anticipated, very busy movie, you know, but for the majority of the time, it can get you in a sticky wicket, and now they're just making me pay more to sit in the middle when I used to be able to just go there early and get a good seat. I, I just, I don't love it. I don't love it. Well, so I'm, the reason, there's two reasons I like are you seats. Are you the guy who sits next, like you'll see the empty theater no, and you're no. going to pick the seat next to the only two people in the no. audience and you're going to be like, this I'm is not, I'm going to be friends. I'm not a sociopath. That person's a sociopath. I'm willing, that's, that's just sociopathic behavior. No, I, I like assigned seating for two reasons. One, I'm a planner. You can ask anyone who is close to me, especially my wife. I'm a, I'm a major planner. I plan everything. If we're going to see a movie, I know at least two to three days in advance, and I'm probably going to buy the tickets beforehand and therefore know what, exactly what seat I'm going to get. It gives me a certainty, gives me a sense of contentment. The other reason, and I think probably the bigger reason, is that I think, I think the reason that assigned seating happened and why it became a thing was because recliner seats happened. I don't know why those two things kind of go hand in hand, but I guess they do. Fewer seats. I, I guess that must be what it is. But I, the recliner seats are like, I was going to movies before the recliner seats came in. But when they got in, I was like, I'm going to movies all the time now. And granted, I don't now. But like at the time that it first rolled out, I was going constantly. Because Back of movie in pass my day, I didn't have recliner seats. Which movie pass is coming back? It is. Yeah, so they're not. That's not what this is about. But like, were you an old lady I don't or know. a sheep? <laughs> I don't know. I, think I was, can't do. She, I think she was an old. She was an old lady sheep. This is a mix of the two. It's very uh, interesting. Not like that sheep from Babe. Mario. Sorry, this is a very diversional episode. It's fine. I think realistically, this will die. In like. I, well, they're right now they're like they're like rolling it out to major cities and field testing it. I'm not I don't even think sure it'll die. Of that. I think it'll ultimately be a reduced scope of what I said, where they just do the duration of the first three weeks and then they'll normalize after. I'm curious too how this impacts. So, like AMC has their own version of Movie Pass. I know for a while you were like the AMC whatever member. I was. I was on is Stubbs A list. I did that. I right, mean, so like, like if you're a Stubbs A list member, are they going to then say, hey? Like now you have to upgrade that membership even more to get premium sightline or otherwise you're going to be stuck. No. no, they just allow you to, it just says, it says they allow you to pre-book preferred sightline seats. I don't really know what that means, but they're like already baking it in to the cost. Okay. It sounds like. Cause I was going to say, if you're somebody who's been paying for this the entire time and then all of a sudden they're like, you can't sit front and center well, middle and center. You're going to be very upset. I would be upset. I guess like, the thing that makes me 
I don't want to say anxious because I don't really care. But like, man, movie theaters just cannot figure it out. That's like my main, like, I mostly feel like this should be easy. And they're just, it just feels so gimmicky. And it's like, no, like, do you know how you get more people to come to movies is if the popcorn isn't like $10 for a small. Like, I get that's how you make your money, but also you would make money if more people came. And like, I imagine for a lot of people, like half the reason they don't want to go to the movies is because of like the hassle of really expensive concessions and various other things about movie theaters that are easily fixed and less desirable. This feels like a Band-Aid. And I don't think, I don't know that any other theater chains will do it, but I don't think it's going to last very long. I, I, I really do believe that. I don't know. Got to give him credit for trying new things, I guess. Or you don't have to. I think, honestly, and now this is like blue sky, pie in the sky thing. Movie theaters need to reinvent their experience. You have to have your cheap theaters where you can just go and get a bucket of popcorn. And when I say cheap, like you have to make it cheap. It can't be this ridiculous, like you're spending $40 between soda and popcorn and a movie like no it has to be affordable and maybe they're like not the premiere movies maybe they're like they come out a month ago and you're seeing them a month late but you're paying a discount for that then you have to have your premium experience where you know what is that the alamo i'm making that up i was just i'm just gonna talk about alamo draft house yeah i went to one recently alamo draft house is was it packed no, I mean, oh. the theaters are very small. It was not packed. It's the, it was the best theater experience I've ever had. Like, I feel like they have to... Bar none. Movie theaters need to lean into making it a more experiential service where you can right. have dinner and a movie or a drink or something like that. And it's not this crazy exorbitant expense, but there's a draw to differentiate it from just sitting at home and watching it on your couch. Because right now, well, so I, I... most of the movies that I can see at a theater... I can see on my comfy leather couch with freshly popped popcorn and I don't pay $40 to do that. I want to qualify that because I, I think I think at large you're exactly right. But I like Alamo Draft House it is a lot of things that are great, but it is also like it is not cheap. Like if you <laughs> you shouldn't expect going into Alamo Draft House that you're going to spend less than like $50 on the entire experience. But But I'm already spending the dif- $50 the at Regal and AMC, so what's the difference? Well, and the, and the thing about Elmo Drafthouse, and the, I think the major difference maker is you. There's a lot more of a sense that you're getting what you paid for, and like you're the sense of value in from both an experiential standpoint and from like you you know you pay that much, but you're like getting like hot snacks that are not like you know nuclear hot dogs. <laughs> you know, you're getting like ac- you're getting like actual food. It's not the Seven Eleven roller and, dog, and, right? It's it just it just it feels better, you know. You're you're paying a lot of money, but you you don't walk out of it thinking like, oh man, I just paid seven dollars for a bottle of water, you know. There's there's no way people are going to walk out of that experience feeling good. So I think I generally uh, agree with your point. One thing I want to also add to this, which again for me maybe is what makes me a little bit more open to the idea of sightline, is that it doesn't apply to matinees. And uh, I'm a, I don't know if it's one thing people might like to know about me. I'm a huge matinee person. I actually, I'm going to talk about a little later about a movie I went to see this weekend. Went to see it at 1.30 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. That is the golden hour of cinema. It's like you and a bunch of senior citizens. And it's great. <laughs> so basically a whole group of you? A whole group of us, yeah. You're not, you're obviously in doing that, you're not part of any sort of zeitgeist of like you're not like i've been to plenty of opening night like premieres and midnight premieres and like there's an energy to that and it's fun but there's also like i'm at a point in my life where if i'm going to go see a movie i want it to be as stress-free of an experience as possible and midnight premieres are really not that well i (laughs) think exciting but this is a broader like discussion too i can't remember the last movie that i was so excited about that i needed to see it at a midnight release like there hasn't been like Marvel has tapered off. There hasn't been a cultural zeitgeist that has really driven people to like widespread sellouts of midnight releases. Because there are too many movies that are advertised and categorized as major events. And when you when they all become that, then none of them are. Yeah, it used to be I think with Marvel special. with Marvel that's what the case is. Yeah. Like I remember like, going to the Hunger Games midnight premiere and i was so stoked and it was like this kind of novel thing because you know movies of that caliber weren't getting midnight releases the only movies that were getting midnight releases at that time were like i don't even know early marvel movies i believe the last midnight release i went to was when it wasn't a midnight release because they do the thursday 7 p.m shows or at least they did in the theater near me where i was at the time i did a couple i actually went to see kingsman the golden circle on premiere night because my that wife got a midnight fan. premiere well 
7 it p.m. Per yeah, it wasn't. It was again. It wasn't midnight, but yeah, it did. It was fine. I, I mean, my best quote unquote again because it was 7 p.m. on a Thursday, but my best quote unquote midnight premiere experience by far, not even close, was Star Wars: The Force Awakens. It was amazing. It was like like cause I've been to a handful of midnight premieres other than those two that I just mentioned, but Star Wars took the cake as being. And, and I agree. I think like it's a broader point than you know, this AMC sightline discussion is about, but like making more events making movies that way again it's probably something that a lot of people are trying very hard to do but they're missing the mark because like even like endgame i'm sure had a midnight premiere but i never once even thought about going to it i don't know if you guys did but like no it just it had it it didn't have that same feeling to me i guess maybe it should have you know maybe i'm the problem but we'll open it up to the listeners a what do you think of amc sightline you think it's a good idea you think it's a stupid idea b what is the general question what happened to movies <laughs> what happened to midnight premieres what's the best midnight premiere experience you've ever had at online warriors one is our main show account we have at ow legal 86 that's me at ow tactic and at ow nerd bomber let us know what the dealio is with movies let's uh let's stay in the uh well what, what's let's actually sandwich the movie topics we're gonna be talking about the dcu later but i want to give that more time than we have before the break now so i want to just swing over and kind of do a debrief on what what netflix has done because it's kind of fascinating let me put on my lewis black hat for a second here and rant and tell you guys why i'm offended by this and it's pretty simple netflix thinks we're all stupid and we're not like netflix rolls out this whole like we're gonna crack down on password sharing here's the plan everyone obviously hates it and it has a lot of very obviously like exploitable well not exploitable it has a lot of very difficult use cases college students people who travel often that basically make the service unusable so netflix saw all of this over the course of a few days and instead of just taking the honest route and being like we've heard your feedback we're going to discontinue that plan for now they said whoops that was a mistake that wasn't real forget you saw that (laughs) it's like we're not stupid we're not idiots we're all part of this planet we know that you just saw all of the negative backlash and we're on in damage control it's okay for you to admit that netflix i don't know why you think it's not but it's really it's fine well what's like do you guys understand that like a tactic talk about portfolios like why would a company care that much well I, i just they they release these statements right and they're hoping for okay. They're not going to say anything. Their shareholders would be happy because that's that's the the only sharing they care about is not the password sharing. It's really the shareholders. You know what I'm saying? But I'm t- right. And well, then the negative backlash the made it drop a ton of points. And they're like, shit, we got to do damage control. And then they did this. But like, have some goddamn tact. I don't understand. Like when a company rolls something out, a new plan or anything like that there are multiple people who reviewed that plan at multiple levels of the company. And I want to know who was like, hey, this seems like a great idea. Like, who okayed this? Who was too terrified to speak up and say, this doesn't make any sense? Because well, because well, when they present the idea, they show it as a function of numbers, right? They go, okay, look, this is what we're losing on profit sharing. This is what our, our next quarter is going to be based on this change. These are our projected numbers. And everyone up up on the top is like, well, yeah, look look at those numbers. Those are good numbers. There's a lot of zeros, a lot of commas in those numbers. Well, yeah, but like, what about like focus? Like, I'm sure this was focus grouped or something. I doubt. And I'm sure the the backlash was awful then too. So why would they like roll it out largely and be like, yeah, this will be fine? Well, one of the things that's very confusing is like they must have had higher level executives obviously approve this plan. And one of the things that Netflix is really great for is if you have to travel and hotels have done this really great thing now where you can log in on their TV to your Netflix account. And when you check out, they wipe your account from the TV. It's like you were never there, but you get to watch Netflix as you go. So how does like, if you're any executive who has to travel, which I'm sure the Netflix executives have all had to travel for some reason or another, what made them think this was a good idea? I just, I, I will never understand. It just doesn't make well, any logistical sense. They have Netflix sense. executive permissions. Well, I feel and like also they have a lot of money. Like I, I think technically yeah. right. Like it's, 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 it's largely a function of numbers. But like right. But even if you have a lot of money, it prevents you from using your own account, even if it's a solo account, unless you've logged into your home Wi-Fi. The the idea of like like okay i'm not i'm not dumb i understand that password sharing probably loses netflix a lot of money 
I want to understand because I because because I don't. I want to understand the analysis that they did that basically determined okay, everyone is now dependent on Netflix to the extent that they will all buy their own accounts or at the very least the people who drop off will be outnumbered by the people who go ahead and just buy new accounts. I don't know if that's true. I really don't. I get that Netflix is great, but in a world where so many other streaming services now exist than when Netflix first started, I did, I don't know that a lot of people wouldn't just like get rid of Netflix and say, "Okay, goodbye Netflix." Well, what they're failing to realize too, and we have done this for a little bit, and we actually ironically got back into Netflix fairly recently, but we had actually canceled Netflix. We haven't had it for, I want to say it's not quite a year, but it's been a while. And all of and, the and other- And live and breathe. Yeah. You're still alive. All of the other streaming services have really great introductory promos. So what we've been doing is we'll- get a promo for a streaming service, we'll milk it You're for bouncing. however long, get rid of it when the promo ends, bounce over to the next one. And then even if you use, say, like Paramount Plus, once you cancel, three months go by and they're like, please come back here. You can pay a dollar and get another three months. And they're like, oh, I'll bet. Yeah. And Netflix, first of all, they do not offer any sort of promotion or introductory price for new members. They also have jacked up their prices. And I got to be honest, even their tiers... So like their ad-based tier, because that's currently what we're subscribed at. We have their ad-based tier. And it's not as good as the, for example, Hulu ad-based tier or even Peacock ad-based tier. Because at least Hulu and Peacock, like you're still getting, you know, 1080p, if not 4K content. You're just getting ads. Netflix has dropped it down to 720p, which I guess isn't that bad. But like on a big TV, you can kind of notice you get ads and you don't even get all of their content. Yeah, they block a bunch of their content. Like, what is that? Like, we had signed up for Netflix because we really wanted to watch Uncharted finally and where the crowd ads sing. And both of those movies are blocked on the cheapest plan. And in order to get to the next step up where you can unlock those movies, it's more than double the price of the low ad plan. And it just, it doesn't, they're making so many mistakes left and right. And like, their original content is compelling. Sure. Like, we watched Glass Onion fine and love is blind love is blind but like yeah i really wanted to watch uncharted but i'm not willing to pay the extra money so sucks how was glass onion not paywalled netflix original netflix content they own it oh okay i guess that makes sense yeah i i you know actually i was interestingly enough i was reading today and i don't have the tweet or the information in front of me but the gist of it was you know what's now like essentially taking the lead in the streaming space like what which app do you think is like has the biggest market share right now of streaming viewership no i'm gonna say it's probably hulu no really peacock it's kind of a trick question none youtube interesting youtube has a lot of really good long-form content do they really yeah you can watch our show on youtube check us out it tends to, it, it's, it's often not like it's not like fictional oftentimes but it's like i mean i watch things on youtube that are regularly 20 plus minutes long so you know depending on what you want you can get a lot. Like we have uh, YouTube Premium in our household, and I can say without a doubt that is the last one that we would ever get rid of. Well, doesn't like YouTube used to do original fictional content as well? Like Cobra Kai started as a YouTube yeah. Red show. YouTube Red, I think, is more or less dead. Don't quote me on that. I don't know for sure, but I mean, you know, you have things like YouTube TV. I mean, YouTube just got that big deal with NFL Ticket. I mean, they're YouTube is, I think, burgeoning right now. Netflix, to me, I don't want to say Netflix is on its way out because Netflix will never die. But like, yeah, they're making a lot of mistakes and this is the latest one. And I think I think my wife would disagree, but I wouldn't have a problem getting rid of that one because like, because we password share with someone. If they really crack down on the password <laughs> share, I'd be like, all right, fair enough. Easy, easy with that knowledge. Hi, Netflix. Yes, I'm guilty as charged. Lock me up. Do whatever you have to do. Yeah, it's nuts. Again, I just, I mostly like... I wanted to talk about this on the show because of how insulted I felt that like they really think we're that stupid of like, oh, they just made a little goof. It's like, no, we know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why you think we don't just see right through that. I don't know. Maybe some people don't, but I also feel like it's pretty transparent. Anyways, we're going to take a short break and we'll come back to talk about the DCU and get into what we've been up to as well as our weekly game segment. Before we do that, any of that, Mr. Stephen Keller, it's your time to shine once again. He is shining, of course, because he is wearing armor. It's silvery or gold, if he prefers. Truly, it's in the eye of the beholder, I, I guess you could say. Stephen is a knight, which is the top of 
the three levels on our Patreon. As a result, Stephen gets his producer shout out every episode. He gets input into the weekly game segment. He, of course, gets access to the monthly secret segment and the vlog. And he has a guest spot coming up on the show. So be on the lookout for that as well. There is also a Squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there is a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for any of the details on all of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Get the details there. Say hi to Steven. Say hi to us. Consider keeping this thing rolling on. Thanks again to Steven. We'll be right back to talk more about the DCU. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. All right, speaking of companies that have major branding problems... Is that, is that fair to say? Is that a fair segue into... We just talked about Netflix. We're now going to talk about the DCU, which... Can I tell you what their first mistake is? Henry Cavill? I No. Well, okay. <laughs> I want to say DCEU because they spent years getting me to say that. And now they're like, you know what? Forget that. Just DCU, baby. It's not extended. Well, okay. It's, it should be I mean, DCRU for retracted. You're going to walk us through this and I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm going to allow you the opportunity to do that. But before you do, I'm going to put that Lewis Black hat uh, back on. I thought you were going to be remiss. I'm not going to be remiss. They're doing the same thing that Marvel is doing, which is, to be clear, I think is bad. Like we just talked about how, in a sense, how Marvel is kind of like sucking the life out of cinema. DC is like, what if we did the same thing? <laughs> like it just, I don't, can, can we, can we back away from like 10 year plans? Would that be so crazy to do? It's my favorite meme ever, or GIF, or whatever. Or rather, even have a 10-year plan, but don't have them all connected. Daddy, chill. It's a daddy chill situation, for sure. I mean, the thing about it is, say what you will about the MCU, and I say a lot about the MCU, a lot of it that I that is bad, but like, they're at least cohesive. This is like, the thing I maybe most dislike about this is they're like, hey, there's a DCU, here's all the things that in it, but also... The, the Matt Reeves Batman is still happening. And also the Joker is still happening. But those are else words. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, don't worry about it. Just go see it. And I'm like, no. And also we're keeping Jason Momoa, but all of the other characters that currently exist are being recast. What? It's just, there's a lot of things that I just so strongly disagree with here. That's why I brought back, brought up Henry Cavill as like the mistake because like, and the fl- they get rid of him, but the Flash can stay. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, and to say nothing of all the issues Ezra Miller is having right now. Like, what I, I guess here's a question that I think is an important one that they have not asked on any level. The MCU, and in particular the first whatever four phases of the MCU, had a very clear nucleus of people. Of course, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson. There are some other fringe people, but like. They had they had a very clear core nucleus. Does the DCU have that? Because I think the answer is no. I think they're, it's they're, trying. They're, they're to building restart. from the outside in. They're doing they're doing the thing that like Marvel's doing it now. They're trying to. It's what they do with the Justice League. They're like we're gonna have our cake and eat it too, and we're not gonna do the building we need to do. We're gonna cut right to the chase and build from the outside in. You can't do that. Well, I, I think it's trying to restart, but only restart some things, which which is very confusing. So like. The first two that we're going to see is a Superman legacy and the authority, which is an intro 
into the Man of Steel, sort of a backstory, and then him coming to a f- form a team. But, like, they're going to keep the Justice League actors, which was very strange. And then they're going to do another Batman with Robert Pattinson. And it's just but none of not this. connected. None of it. Yeah. None yeah. of it's connected. It's like they're breaking up some things, changing people. And it's just, I do not see how they're going to do it. I think, honestly, they should just, like, start from scratch. I really do. Because it's... My single biggest problem here, by far, is having two Batmans at once. Like, that's borderline unforgivable. There was a, a meme that I saw on Twitter, and somebody had, like, laid out, you know how Marvel does the timelines, and I think maybe DC released one, too, after they unveiled all this stuff. It was Charlie Day with red yarn, right? No. no. It was literally a timeline, and every movie on the timeline was just a different Batman movie. <laughs> and it was, like, fair. Honestly, fair. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like I just want to know who feels... Pepe Sylvia is. That's all I want to know. I feel like they should have, what they should have done is they should have taken the opportunity with the Flash to dismantle what they've already done. Then you lean into Robert Pattinson, our Pat Bat. Like, regardless of whether you like that movie, I think it did well enough and was compelling enough where you can have that dark, gritty, neo-noir Batman sort of thing. And no, you can't you can't lean into that because no, you want to introduce characters like no, Green Lantern. That's what are... I'm saying, though. You don't introduce Green Lantern. You just have Batman in a capsule series, kind of like the Dark Knight. And then you're like, hey, you know what? We have another good property. We have Superman. Let's actually devote some time into building his character. That's not just and like... keep them all standalone. Hey, and keep them all standalone. That's how we actually were just watching Spider-Man 2. It was on like TNT or something. And we happened across it. And we were like, I would never have said at the height of the MCU stuff. like this One of is, the best superhero movies of all time. This, well, it was like... That was the heyday. There wasn't all this interconnected stuff. And you watched Spider-Man. You knew what you were getting. It was the same characters carried over from movie to movie. You had your core characters. You had your Toby. You had your Kirsten Dunst. You had uh, James Franco. It was fine. You knew what you were getting. And it was fun. And you didn't have to think too hard. And it was great. Do that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, guess what? They also, like, they managed to put a lot of characters into this, those Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Like, if people are worried about, like, you need this many movies because you need this many characters. The last... Spider-Man 3 had, like, four villains or something. And it well, was... And to be clear, it was great. Spider-Man 3 had a lot of problems. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to gloss over those. But, like, I think the bones of the old... Like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man... I make jokes on this show all the time about how he's the best spider-man well i i don't those, think those were amazing movies i don't think they are focusing on team-ups like so we're getting a intro and a superman we're getting a secondary superman and then we're gonna get supergirl so it's they're kind of really focusing on like the two heavy hitters superman What's the authority and batman the authority sure, sure sounds like a team-up movie I, it does but like i'm 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 gonna give it some time it's it's the the fact that they mentioned that they're going to be keeping some of the existing cast of the Justice League, but so like you can't pretend it didn't happen if you keep some of those actors and actresses is what I really struggle with. Well, I think the biggest tip off to me that at some point, even if it seems like they're going to be separate movies now that they are going to team up is the fact they're calling it the DCU. We don't need universes. Just say, hey, we're going to make a heck ton of really good superhero movies. They're all going to be encapsulated in their own heroes. And you know what's actually really cool is like if they do something like that. And I think this is where Marvel is kind of struggling right now. We talk about this all the time. They're introducing way too many characters. And all of these characters have really interesting stories in the source material. But there's too many of them. And by throwing them all together in these like team up sort of scenarios, you don't really get a good feel and you don't get good depth on any of them because there's just too many. Now, like DC has a great library. Focus on individual stories. Don't tie them together. Don't have a future where they tie together. Just focus on characters. I I think what the MCU initially did, because I'm well aware that like when Iron Man came out, they had a plan. There's no doubt they had a plan. But I think partially because they were the first ones to the party, they were subtle about that. They weren't shouting from the rooftops, this is Iron Man. This is the first movie in the MCU. No, they like they made Iron Man and then there was a post credit scene of some kind. I don't even remember what it was that probably teased something else, but it wasn't so in your face. This is from the jump. They are going to be as in your face about there being a universe as they can be. So and that's just like, the wrong way to go about it. 
let me exp- expand on some of the other things. So I had mentioned another Batman movie in parallel of Robert Pattinson. What they're going to be doing is focusing on the Bat family. It's going to it's going to have Batman and Robin. Robin's going to be Damian Wayne. But if Damian Wayne exists, you know that the previous Robins are also going to be in this this universe. So Tim Drake, Jason Todd, um, Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon, they're all going to be there if Damian's around because he's the young one of all of them. So we're going to get to see that. I'm interested in them keeping it completely separate because maybe that'll give us the opportunity for Court of the Owls. Wink, wink, shove, shove, Nerd Bomber. That's one of her favorite comics. It is good. So that's potentially something to get excited about. Also, Supergirl, the introduction of her might give us maybe Crypto the Superdog as a live action. In addition, if we're forgetting the extended Superman family. And then the next movie that was announced was Swap Thing. I can tell you, he's kind of an anti-hero, hero, good guy, bad guy, misunderstood, leave me alone kind of guy. So there's there's potential for it to just be an, a captivating character, but ultimately just like leave him alone, let him do his thing. So could be good. You know what else is glare, glaring here, by the way? If there was a nucleus that they wanted to maintain, and I, I believe they cut ties with her, which whatever, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, but they're just not involved. They're not doing Wonder Woman anymore. Like one of their most successful standalone movies, they're just gonna say forget that. No, I think she, I think it said that they that she's gonna still be around and she'll they're be doing able to like play. a they're doing what they're calling a Game of Thrones for the Wonder Woman Island. Yeah, which like a prequel. Like a very strange idea, but there's no I don't I didn't see any mention of Wonder Woman in here, and I just again I just what are you doing? That was I like Wonder Woman, and guess why Wonder Woman was so successful. Because it was one of those old school feeling superhero movies that didn't have a lot of ties to anything else. It was a great period piece. And and I think that's where that it really thrives. Especially so doing this prequel, I think, would actually help it leverage what it's really good at. So then that's the movie side of things. As far as television, what we can expect is Creature Commandos, which is sort of weird monsters. Waller which we all know Waller from Suicide Squad and all that jazz. Lanterns, get excited for the Lantern Corpse, but it's a lot of TV shows. Ain't nobody got time for that. Paradise Lost, as you mentioned, the Wonder Woman story. And then this is one that I'm actually very excited about. And I know some of our listeners are also super excited about this one, a TV series featuring Booster Gold. Now, if you don't know who Booster Gold is, he is a football player basically from the future that's like yo i'm gonna take this tech go back in time be a superhero and he's just like a snarky asshole really funny good time that's gonna be something entertaining to watch so yeah i agree that of all the things here i'll give you that that one sounds like it's by far the most interesting just even just based on the log line yeah i'm i'm sorry i feel like i'm bridling your unbridled enthusiasm about these projects basically where where i stand is we can't look at it as a universe at all we just has to if we can if I can look at it as DC standalone content, I can be really excited for it. Specifically for me, Booster Gold and the Bat Family. Especially again, I'm gonna say it again, if they focus on the Court of the Owls storyline. Hooey. That is good content. So that's Tactics Review. Get excited about just those things. I think Nerbomber and I's review is probably pretty clear at this point. <laughs> Nerbomber, do you have anything more you want to add to I feel bad wholly, for piling onto this. I'm unenthused, but, but we'll see. I'd love to be, again, I, I've said this about DC stuff before. I would love to be surprised, pleasantly surprised by some of this. But I just, from a structural and like overarching standpoint, I don't know what they're doing. And if, it, if it's not clear from my tone of voice, it frustrates the bejesus out of me. This is I, such good IP that they are ruining. I still won't be happy cost, until constantly. they give me a Flash movie or something like that that doesn't have Ezra Miller. Grant Gustin was the the OG in terms of like, oh, well, I mean, he wasn't the OG. There are many other Flash actors in the past. But like in terms of like this new generation, this new millennia, he was the OG. And uh, I'm just not confident in Ezra Miller. And that makes me sad. And they're keeping him. And it's very confusing. These projects all have various release dates over the next however many years. I think the first thing is set to come out in 2025. So a lot of it's pretty far off. But can we just talk about, though, that 2025 is only two years from now? What? Yeah. I mean, eventually it'll be 2030 and 2035 and time time roll. The, the wheel of time spins madly on. That's uh, Jack London, I believe, or something like that. Or it's that song, Wheel in the Sky Keeps on Turning. It's like a mix of those two things. Anyways, let us know what you think of the DCU, what you, th- what you think of their plan, why I need to calm down and like 
go drink a glass of warm milk or something. I don't know. I need to be calmed down about this stuff. It just it annoys the bejesus out of me. It really does. Let's, uh, I'm going to make myself feel better by talking about what I've been up to in the past week. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I went first last week. Tactic, take us away. Ooh, I'm take excited. So we got a game, a Taco Bell party box board game that we had mentioned on the show previously. And I had said, hey, let's get a bunch of Taco Bell, hashtag not a sponsor, and have illegal and Mrs. Illegal over for a Taco Bell party box game with some Baja Blast Doritas or Baja Blast and Vodkas because we like to party and have a good time. Yeah, we, so, we party. So yeah, they all came over. We played that game. Nerd Bomber won. She crushed us all. It was crushed. Embarrassing. It was hard to it was hard to experience. Can I shout out Taco Bell for a second? Not a sponsor. Sure. And I'm, by shout them out, I mean call them out. Yeah, my Cinnabons that they didn't. They pack. messed up. You, yeah. They messed up your freaking order, man. Did they ever? This email was like a whole back? event. No. You you emailed Taco Bell. <laughs> they even have strongly have worded. Yeah, we technically ordered some Cinnabon and not whatever. Neither of them. are they Cinnabons? I don't know. They're like Cinnabon balls. Who knows? Yeah, they were Cinnabon balls, and they had the cream cheese filling on the inside. It looked good. Yeah, it sounds great. We didn't get it. Damn you, Taco Bell. <laughs> anyways continue with your so that was really great and then the the light that i really want to shine is after we played we played this board game we moved it on over to the living room from the kitchen and we played a switch game specifically a rabbit's party game this game is not very old it's only seven months old and for whatever reason it is completely slept on as a party game. It's already on sale. You can get it for $20 or even less, depending on where you purchase it. And my goodness gracious, it is like all of the good parts about Mario Party without all of the bad parts. So it's just the good parts. A little cringy on some of the rabbits, but it's fun. It's an absolute winner. It's, yeah, I can confirm. I, I have a lot of thoughts that I'm not going to give here about how Mario Party has destroyed itself it systematically dismantled itself over many years. And uh, this was a nice breath of fresh air that I, th- I think you're right. I think people are sleeping on it. I will give so. everybody a insight into how this went, though. So I think Illegal ended up winning. I don't know if every round, but a decent anyone that involves think, like I, rapid, like fist pumping up and down near your nether regions. Yeah, he was no, surprisingly, shockingly good at so efficient, very speedy. The, look, I, I look, I have certain talents. I, I'm not going to expound upon that. I will say, aside from that, there are certain like dan- they're like dancing. Would you call that dancing? Yeah, that's dancing where I shine. Mini games, the dancing ones. I struggled with those, and like we didn't play. We only played like one round of like a bunch of those, and my heart rate was uh, shooting to the moon. So this is an active game. I want to make that clear to everyone. This is an active experience. So be mindful of that. Recommend, especially if you've got like energetic children that you just need to like burn all of their energy away this is this is just a family friendly friend friendly just everyone will enjoy it send them over to the rabbits they'll take care of them that's all i got it was great uh i we had a great time so sad about the taco bell though the cinnamon cinnamon whatever's guess we'll just have to do it again sometime i think i think you're right i yeah so i did that also i was there for that so that's part of my update although it was really your update i'm still playing dead space i'm more than halfway through i expect to be done fairly soon I'm having a I'm having an absolute blast. It's it's how I have nothing bad to you? say about it. I will say there are certain it, like I'll I, it's funny how the game does it. Like I will walk into a room that I'm like I remember this room and what happens in this room. So like theoretically I shouldn't be scared. And then I like start doing something else game wise like inventory management or like going in and they like shooting this thing and I forget that that thing's going to happen. And so what happens and I still get scared. It's happened to me like four or five times now. Um, which I feel like is probably a testament to, I don't know, just the entire thing that the game is doing. I want to shout out the sound design again. Wearing headphones playing this game is a must if you if you own it and are, are starting to play it. Do you have your headset? Now, do you have like the 3D audio? I do not have the 3D audio, but I have like really nice wired headphones that I think have very good sound quality. So it's like that's about as good as I can do. Gotcha. I always am so curious about like the 3D audio in headsets. And I feel like most headsets can like replicate it pretty well, even if you don't have that as like the tagline on the box. But I, I like I will never play a creepy, scary game. But I feel like that's when spatial audio really shines. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I have little doubt that like the 3D audio would probably heighten the experience that much more. 
but I also think my use case for like playing games wearing headphones is probably pretty limited to like this and like you said other games that are kind of similar to it but the side missions are great those were a lot of those have been added to this this remake or this remaster whatever you want to call it the security clearance system is also very good it it makes retreading old old decks in the ship a lot more interesting and a lot more rewarding uh, i will say too and it's it, again one of my core memories from the game that i maybe love it so much and very similar to last of us i'm playing on medium difficulty like the stress level and the the, the level of general difficulty that i experience in terms of how hard it is to kill a certain amount of enemies or like uh, in particular ammunition management like it's so well dialed in i don't i don't understand how they how games do that where they kind of trickle out the resources at the prop because in some games it's transparent right like you're 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 low on health and you get it you happen upon a health kit and you're like okay the game gave me that to keep me going this is not really that and like i don't know how many times i will finish a deck and like i'll have like three shots left in one of my one of my weapons and i'm like i'm screwed and i i find a resource cache or like i have a i find a store and i have a bunch of credits like it's I think it's truly a testament to the design of the game that they so consistently put me in that headspace and it keeps my it keeps attention up and it keeps me invested. So I, I just wanted to kind of make mention of that. So that's, that's going really well. The other thing I wanted to shout out, uh, went to the movie theater this weekend, as I mentioned, saw Knock at the Cabin. M. Night Shyamalan, for those that don't know, he directed this movie. It's based on a book. So he didn't I, he didn't write it he might have like had screenplay credit or something i don't actually know pretty good not like amazing but definitely like there are as most people know there are bad m night movies and good m night movies this is definitely a good m night movie but it's also not like signs or the sixth sense or like one of his greats you know i feel like those are movies that are so hard for anyone to replicate like i don't care how good of a director or screenwriter you are like those are movies that are just like kind of on a pinnacle and You've reached the top yeah. of the mountain. Now you're just trying to stay there. The, the premise of Knock at the Cabin is really, really interesting, and it's very, very well acted. I don't know that it's shot super well. I don't know that the script is super amazing, but the premise and the acting make it as good as it is. That, that's that's what I'll say. There's a, not a lot I can talk about without giving away things. I would advise going into the movie with as little knowledge as you can possibly have, because I think it heightens the experience. So yeah, I'll swing it over to Nerd Bomber to close this out. All right, so obviously we got Netflix again. Started watching Love is Blind, also Glass Onion. Love is Blind, it's so weird. I don't know, like, it's not great TV, but it is. And you know, a lot of the drama yeah. is fabricated, and yet it just sucks. It's the Love in. is Blind effect. It's, it's, it's just, it's watchable. You don't even, I like, you don't feel good watching it. I will say no. the editors on season three are doing a fantastic job trolling the, the contestants. Just. There are little subtle things that it, if you're not paying attention, you might miss. But like, this isn't a spoiler. Like episode one, this one guy was putting eye drops in to yeah, fake I was cry. Say, I was and they left that all in that there. Up. They left it all in there. And I was just like, oh, I love it. I love that they're just like showing the bullshit that these pompous so, douches. <laughs> I, I, I kind of dropped a teaser on you guys before we started recording. I'll drop another one. The editing stuff, that sort of thing comes back. Not that guy particularly, but like that editing stuff. That sort of like, here's the thing that the people didn't think you were going to see, but you're seeing it. You They're the real it. stars of the show. They really are. They're doing magic. The real stars of that show are the people who put in the extremely dramatic and yet somehow like club pop music <laughs> every time anything happens. Those are the people I want that. Those people should be president. Sorry. Sorry, Joe Biden. They should they should they, theme your life. They're the best decision makers, clearly. They really are. But aside from that, part of the reason why we're actually watching that, so just on a whim, we started watching Critical Role's The Legend of Vox Machina, which is an animated show. I can't remember if we talked about this at all last week, but it's on Amazon Prime. And basically, Critical Role, they are voice actors who play campaigns of D&D and They've been streaming them on like Twitch and YouTube. I think each campaign is upwards of like 400 hours. And, you know, they, they really give it their all in these streams and campaigns. And well, if you aren't familiar with Critical Role, it's kind of become a big deal. I think they have like three campaigns now. Well, the first two are finished. The first of which was Vox Machina. And Amazon co-opted it and turned it into an animated series. And obviously it's not a 400 hour long animated series, but it's, you know... 10 or so episodes a season, half hour episodes. And it's very, very good. It's so good. If you like fantasy stuff 
And if you've ever contemplated playing D&D, but you just like can't get into doing it yourself, I feel like watching this is a great kind of experience. And the voice actors, they're all voice actors that you know and love. I mean, Laura Bailey and uh, who is the original voice of Ellie in The Last of Us. They are both voice- Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. They're both like they play characters both on Critical Role and in the show because all of the original Critical Role members are reprising their roles for the TV show. And it's just it's so good, man. It's really, really good. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings light almost very diverse cast of characters, kind of like your whole buddy adventure sort of thing. Big epic quest. It's good stuff really, really enjoying it. The problem is we got to a point where the last three episodes don't come out until the end of this week. We're like, okay, we have to pump the uh, brakes. So you're killing time. So we're killing time with Love is Blind. But you know what? Not a bad thing to do. And uh, yeah, Love is Blind is, is good for that. Last but not least, I did jump into Pokemon Violet and uh, I'll probably have more thoughts to come, but I finally jumped into it so that Tactic can use the big TV while I use the Switch. Because he has a, a backlog of big TV games. Nice, uh, nice teaser. Well, I'll look forward to your Pokemon Violet thoughts next week. All right. Well, that brings us now to the quiz. And I'm not hosting this week. I think at Tactic, I believe you're hosting this week. Tactico. It's me. If you want to call yourself that, call yourself that. You're welcome to. I'm at two and one. I'm the leader right now. Tactic two and two. Nerd Bomber one and two. So it's still anyone's game at this point. Uh, so Tectic, take us away with the topic and the questions for this week. So the topic is Sonic the Hedgehog. So I hope you're feeling ready and feeling fast because he's a quick one. Might have to hedge my bets that I will win this one. <laughs> oh, I see. I uh, I might literally have to hedge my bets. I know so much, so little about Sonic. It's crazy. So... My expectations are low, and I want to set the viewers' expectations. Listeners' expectations are very low as well. Okay, so the first question. When did Sonic the Hedgehog first release? In what year? Okay, I'm going to assume I'm going first because I have the better record. I, boy, I feel like it's definitely the 80s. I'm going to say 84, 1984. I'm going to use my plus one and say 1985. She plus one with great avail. It was actually later than you guys think. I think it, it was, was like the early 90s, but I was scared. June 23rd, 1991. So okay, good plus on one. So I Nerd Bomber's on the board. How many Sonic games are there up to 2022? Okay, I got to count on my fingers. Give me a second. You can vocalize. You know I'm not going to listen to you. Okay, she must be counting on her fingers. I think there's 13. Oh, it's more than that. I'm going to use my plus one and say 14. Damn it. Yeah, they have a pretty solid cadence of at least one a year and multiple years with doubles, triples even. So there's 89 different. Sonic Are you counting games. like remakes I, and stuff I like that? I shouldn't yes. have plus one. That was, oh. that was silly. I should. I shouldn't have plus one. The game was did, how many Sonic more. games are there up to 2022? I was not thinking remakes. I was thinking. I don't think like, you were thinking at all. S -s Snap. Got her. You got her so good, man. All right. So okay. time for well, redemption. It's tied. No more plus ones. Uh, yeah, I like it. Get them out of the way early. In 2020, the live action Sonic movie was released. It came out with great controversy due to the animation, but ultimately did things right. What was the Rotten Tomatoes score? 74%. Higher, higher, higher. 82. So I goofed you guys with great avail. It was actually lower. It was 63%, and it still what? is 63 Okay, I, w I was close. I mean, I, yeah, I knew it wasn't, like, amazing I uh, thought score-wise. I thought it was, like, hailed as one of the better video game movie adaptations. So that's why I went high well, on that. I mean, this is before last it, it was. It the was. Last there of Us isn't a movie. There aren't good at any good video game movie adaptations. I'm sure that was the best one yet. Hey, Angelina Jolie would bet to differ. Okay. Tomb Raider wasn't well, that, bad. That's her, that, that's, that's her prerogative. I, I actually don't know what the Tomb Raider score is, but... So, next question. How tall is Sonic the Hedgehog? In feet and inches. I think this little buddy is around two feet, nine inches. It's a strong guess. Uh, I'm thinking about his hair, though. He's three six. So this is going to creep you out, honestly. Did I get it right on the nose? No. Did he get it right on the nose? No, but he got it right, technically. Five feet, one inch. No way. Yeah, no, he's like, not. He's like creepy tall, and I don't like it. No. He's like on, well, think about like Super Mario Olympics. Him and Mario are like the same height. 
Yeah, and Mario is tiny. Mario's five feet. No, Mario has He's to eat He's a little mushrooms. bit taller than Mario. Mario has to eat mushrooms to get Listen, I don't make strong. the rules. These are the games. I'll take the point. I'll, yeah, I'll take the point. That's weird, though. I don't like that. Yeah, creepy, right? <laughs> All right. So, and, and if you think about the movie, he's much tinier. So, anyways, how fast can Sonic run in the games? Rather, what was the highest? In, in Neil Patrick Harris's MPH? In MPS. Miles per second? Oh, yeah. Me- oh, what the? Miles per second. And I go first. Miles tails per hour per, per second? Miles, miles tails per second. It's going to be something stupid. Correct. <laughs> uh, th- uh, 1,200. You know what they say? Go big or go home. 3,000. 186,000 miles per second. And what did you guess? 3,000. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> okay, so we need a, so we need a tiebreaker then. All right, so texting question. How tall is Amy Rose? I don't know who that is. So this is going to be a complete fart in the wind. His female counterpart. Okay, my answer is in. Nerd Vomerick is 4'8". I, <laughs> I assume you're laughing at mine. Illegal guess 6'8". <laughs> and here's where it gets even more strange. According to the wiki fandom, she's 2'11". <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I guess she was gigantic. She was... I, I, when he, he like looks up at her. Okay, we need another one. Okay. So, in one of the other Sonic tertiary games... It was called Shadow the Hedgehog. One of your go-to weapons is an assault rifle. <laughs> the assault rifle was the SIG SG what number? It is a three-digit number. You both busted again. Come on. The bomber guessed 690. Illegal guessed 666. The answer <laughs> was the, 551. I guess the number of the beast. I'm not sorry about it either. I guess 69 with a zero. How many rounds did it have? We're going for... Okay, yeah. That's what I was expecting the question to be initially. Nerd Bomber finally takes it home. She gets Woo! 18 rounds. Illegal guessed 36. The answer was 30. I almost guessed 36, but then I, I dialed it back. This is garbage. I, all that work, that, was, that took like 100 hours and I, I don't even win. Whatever. I don't I'll, know what to I'll, tell you. Look, I'll process this in my own way, but here's the interesting thing, guys. We are all now two and two. <laughs> it's like nothing has happened. The slate is wiped clean next week. We basically start anew, and uh, Nerd Bomber will be hosting. So tune in for that. Thank you all so much for for listening. You can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there if you're so inclined. Hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Our Twitter is at OnlineWarriors1, at OWLegal86, at OWTechnic, and at OWNerdBomber are our individual host handles. And uh, yeah, stay safe and keep on podcasting.